Every year when we launch into a new year, I love to challenge your faith, and I love to challenge us to grow. How many of you know growth is a good thing? I have found that growing people are happy people. Do you agree with that? When you're growing, you're happy. When you're not growing, those are some of the most miserable people that I've ever met. So there's part of this is selfish. I want a happy congregation. So I want you to grow. I also want to be a good pastor, so I want you to grow. Because we're, you know, there's interesting, this last decade, uh, a new word, we coin lots of new words, you know, every, every decade, I'm sure there's a whole list of brand new words that never existed in the world of words before, and one of those new words was adulting. Anybody familiar with that? There's funny little memes out there about being an adult. I mean, it's like this is a fascinating thing now in our culture that we, we used to take being an adult for granted, like that's just what happens, you become an adult. But now adulting, there's books out on it, like how to be an adult, um, <laughs> And, and you all know what I'm talking about. We're talking about those behaviors that none of us really enjoy doing, but adults do them anyway. Like, how about it's cold in the morning, and your bed is warm, and you have the alarms going off, and you have to make a choice. Like, do I get up and go to work? <laughs> yes. <laughs> because you're an adult. The baby's crying, and you, somebody, you're, you're laying in bed going, will somebody please take care of this child? And then you have this thought, whose child is it? It's your child. Will you get out of bed and be an adult? Because babies never have sensitive moments like, when shall I cry? Shall I wake mom and dad up now? They don't care. So you're called to be an adult. How about paying bills? Does anybody love to sit down and here's all your hard-earned money? And it's going out to everybody who's making demands on you. You know, you save up the money for this thing that you want, and then your dryer goes out, and you have to be an adult because adults have dryers, for God's sake. You know what I'm talking about. Adulting. Got all books trying to teach us because here's the fact of the matter is our flesh doesn't want to be an adult. We'd like to stay in perpetual Peter Pan childhood. Now I'm going to share with you something that's going to shock some of you. But in the church... There's something called spiritual adulting, which means at some point, God wants us to grow up. And let me just tell you another revelation. Just like we don't want to get out of bed to go to work, we don't want to get out of bed to do anything that's going to help us grow spiritually because it's so comfortable in here. We don't want to put forth the ever. We don't want to be adults. In fact, just to legitimize that this is actually a biblical message and not Pastor Ron just beating up on the congregation, look with me at Jesus' words in Matthew 5, 48. I love the paraphrase of the message. Now, the message, let me just tell you about the Message Bible. The Message Bible is a paraphrase. It's not literal. It's a paraphrase. Eugene Peterson, though, is a Bible scholar, and he, he wrote the Bible paraphrase because he was dealing with blue-collar guys who didn't understand all the these and thous. That's, why, that's how the Message Bible came into being. It's a modern-day paraphrase to help normal people understand the Scriptures better. This is what, the, what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. In a word, what I'm saying is, grow up. Now, how many of you understood that verse, all right? That's the point of a paraphrase. Everybody got it. Your kingdom subjects, now live like it. How I many you know it's good when you have spiritual grandmas and grandpas? What do grandmas and grandpas always do? 
Oh, give him more. Oh, don't, no. Let him come to Nana. Oh, have some more cake. That's what grandmas and grandpas do. But how many of you know you got to have parents too? Because if you let grandparents raise their grandkids, they get all screwed up. All right? They never eat green beans. They never go to bed on time. There's a lot of things that wouldn't happen because that's the nature of grandmas and grandpas. They just get to spoil their kids. But there's also got to be moms and dads. And one of dad's favorite words, my kids love this when I use it. No. Or how about this one? What are you thinking? Or absolutely not. And then you provide some justification, maybe put it in context. But how many, you know, in the church, there's got to be people who are spiritual adults to help the church mature. This is one of those messages. You're like, dang, I started the year off with that. I was hoping for a cotton candy, your wonderful message. Not the, not the Sunday, sorry. In fact, this message, this series for the next four weeks, it, my, my goal is to lovingly provoke us to greater things. Notice I said us, not you. I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching with you, all right? Because I'm getting beat up throughout the week, and then I get to beat you up on Sunday. All right, let's go. Um, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm not, I don't want to beat anybody up this morning, but I do want to challenge us. Look at what uh, Hebrews chapter 6 says. So come on. Let's leave the preschool finger-painting exercises on Christ. Isn't that good? Go back to your, your preschool days. Go back to your Sunday school little toddler class days of finger painting. Let's get on with the grand work of art. Let's grow up in Christ. The basic foundational truths are in place. What are these? Turning our back on salvation by self-help. Turning in trust toward God. Baptismal instructions, laying on of hands, resurrection from the dead, eternal judgment. These are foundational truths that the Bible says we need to master and then we need to move on. Everybody got what he's saying here. And look, look at this final admonition. God helping us, we're not going to do this by ourselves. God helping us, we'll stay true to all that. But look at this, this encouraging word here. But there's so much more. Let's get on with it. Aren't you glad? I mean, I love Pastor Aaron's illustration of the boys and getting changed and food and bite, 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 you know, all the little cute kid stuff. But you know what? All that behavior would be so disgusting if you're 30 years old. I mean, we, we would just be going, ugh, that is disgusting. Because here's the point. It's cute when you're two. It's not cute when you're 22. And the point is, none of us want to stay there. None of us want to stay in infantile season. There's something good about that. When, when, when God's calling us, come on, there's more. There's more. There's more. That should awaken a desire in us for pursuit. Because none of us wants to be a baby Christian. And let me just say this. Some of you that are baby Christians, stay that way, at least for a season. It's okay. You know, some of you are new believers, and sometimes you freak out a little bit, and sometimes you get a little worried. Chill out, it's okay. You're a newborn, but let me just tell you, some of you have been in church for 40 years. It's not okay to keep freaking out. It's time to grow up. At some point, I mean, you know, it's good to be childlike. It's bad to be childish. What do we mean by that? Well, God encourages us that we're not even going to enter the kingdom unless we come as little children. What are little children like? Well, they're, they're humble. They're teachable. They love daddy. Man, whatever dad says is true. I, I, I love it with my kids. I used to always play the froggy game. I say, you want to come here and see this frog? 
Well, they don't ever go, well, where did dad get a frog? No, they oh, yeah, frog. Oh. And then I, oh, I, 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 I like scanning away. And then, they, oh, man, their eyes get really big. And then they get close, and I go, ah, and I tickle them and all that kind of stuff. And then guess what? The next day, when I see my frog, <laughs> I love it. They're, they're like, how many times are you going to fall for that frog routine, you know? Um, but here's the cool thing. God wants us to have childlike trust. If my dad says it, it's done. He's got it covered. But he doesn't ever encourage us to be childish. Because the one thing about a child is they're self-absorbed. The whole universe centers around them. Have you ever noticed, there's not one time, little Capri over here, how old is little Capri now, how many weeks? Six weeks old. She's not laying there awakening from her slumber and going, you know what, I think I'm just going to try to sleep through the night tonight. Because I know my dad's had a rough day, and mom's eyes had a few bags under him. She's, I've been keeping her up late. And, you know, I'm just going to let mom and dad have a good night's sleep tonight. No. At the tiniest impulse of hunger. Wah! They scream like there's no tomorrow. Is that not the truth? And they're not like, you know what? I, I don't think I want to create more work for mommy by messing my diaper. I'm going to be potty trained tomorrow. No. Slightest urge. <laughs> Everywhere. I would usually get there when it was shooting up the back, and, uh, and uh, I won't mention which child, but one time pulling off the little onesie and smearing it all through her hair, and I'm like, where's my wife when I need her? And, and I, had, I, had, uh, I had the wet wipes. Marion could, could wash a child from head to toe with one wet wipe. I got poop on my elbows and on my shirt, and I got a pile of wet wipes like this high, and I'm like... I didn't sign up for this. I don't want to be an adult. But guess what adults get to do? Because here's the point. Little kids could care less about your comfort because the whole world resolves around them. Can I just tell you, there are people that go to church every Sunday that say they love Jesus, and they could care less about anybody else's comfort because it's all about them. There's not one ounce in some believers of self-awareness or emotional maturity. Let me, let me go on and highlight something here. I'm going to save that for later. All right, turn with me, Philippians chapter 3. What does it mean to press on to maturity or to perfection? You know, the King James Version uses the word perfect a lot for the word maturity. And here's an example in Philippians chapter 3. Paul says, I don't mean to say I've already achieved these things. In other words, I haven't arrived. I'm not, I'm not perfect. He said, I haven't already reached perfection. But he says this, I'm going to press on. Everybody say press on. I'm going to press on to possess that perfection which Christ Jesus first possessed me. That's an interesting sentence there. I'm pressing on to possess that for which Christ already possessed me. No, he says, dear brothers and sisters, he says it again two times. I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. I'm going to forget the past. That's a good word. I'm going to look forward to what lies ahead. And I'm going to press on to reach the end of the race and to receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Now, here's my goal today, and I only got 15 minutes, but I I want to frame out 
what is spiritual maturity? What is this growing up that we're called to do? What does it look like? What, what, what should we expect? Here's the thing, first of all, you should not expect. Spiritual maturity does not mean moral perfection. Everybody let out a sigh of relief. Sometimes as a young believer, you read uh, the, the language and it says, be perfect as I am perfect, and you assume that God is expecting sinless perfection from you. Can I just let the air out of the bag here, the air out of the balloon? That ain't gonna happen. It's not gonna happen until Jesus comes. But here's what is going to happen. We're not going to be living the same lives we lived when we first started. We're going to be going from glory to glory. We're going to be growing in grace. We're going to be sweeter now than we were last year. Everybody with me? There's an expectation that we're going to move along, not in perfection. Paul said twice in two verses, he said, I haven't arrived. This is good news. And you should just tell somebody, look at somebody around you right now and just tell them, hey, just want you to know, I haven't arrived. All right, just tell them that. It probably would be good. Some of you in your marriage, you need to do this because it'll be news to your spouse. I haven't arrived. How about this one? I'm not perfect. Can you just go ahead and tell the person next to you, you're not perfect, all right? Just tell them that. You're not perfect. But what we're doing, and when we say we're not perfect, we're saying there is room for growth. How many of you, wave your hand at me if you agree there's room for growth in your life. You haven't arrived. Okay, the first step to moving toward maturity is admitting you haven't arrived yet. And you're in good company if you agree with the Apostle Paul, because he's, he's a pretty heavy hitter, all right? So we're not perfect yet, haven't arrived yet, room for growth. This is good news. Now here's the problem. When it comes to spiritual maturity, um, sometimes we think again of moral perfection, which is a wrong thing. Most people just quit. They're like, I can't, I can't be a Christian. I can't live up to what God's demands are on my life. Well, that's not true. Quit disqualifying yourself. What the Bible's saying is quit thinking and acting like a child. Stop thinking and acting like a child. Well, pastor, what do you mean by that? Well, let me help you. This came from uh, J. Oswald Sanders' great book. It's called The Cultivation of Christian Character. Uh, it's a moody classic. This is what Sanders says about spiritual maturity and immaturity. He says the spiritually immature person meets adult situations and tests with childlike immature reactions. Okay, so how many of you know, I'm not letting, uh, letting a surprise out here, but this year you will meet adult challenges and tests. We live in a fallen world. We're going to experience challenges this year. The question is, will you handle those challenges like a spiritual adult or like a spiritual child? Well, what does that mean? Well, let me flesh it out some more. He says, this always produces tension and strain with all the attendant problems. So here's some examples. When sorrow hits your life, sorrow, he is inclined to indulge in an orgy of self-centered emotion, okay? So when, some, when you're going through an emotional challenge, is the focus now all inward on you and woe is me and pity and, and oh my gosh, and you're emotionally overwhelmed and everywhere you go, you, you vomit on everybody, all the problems that you have and how hard, how hard is you're dealing with, et cetera, et cetera. That's an emotionally immature way as a Christian to handle an issue. I told you, some of you, if you're new, you, you know, we're doing this for four weeks, you might want to come back, all right? If you're here with me for a while, this might be a good month to look for a new church. It's not going to get any better. I'm just, not, I'm just telling you, it's not going to. But it is good. I mean, I mean, this will help us grow up, though. Okay, all right. So we're not going to indulge in an orgy of self-centered emotion. Okay, how about this one? If financial reverses occur, he is at a loss to know why they should come to him. 
and they blame God. They had a cutting back at the office this year, and I'm not getting a raise. I'm getting less money. Oh, why is this happening to me? I, I gave it to church one time. Why is God doing this to me? Some of you think I'm goofing around. No, this is how people react. I heard that guy gave his testimony, and I gave money, and I got fired. So what? Suck it up. Trust God. Are you a pagan? Why are you acting this way? I don't even know where God is. What, did God evaporate because you your paycheck shrunk? Are you kidding me? Grow up. Change your diaper. This is good preaching, I'm telling you. God didn't stop being in charge of the universe because you didn't get a pay raise. Sometimes these things take time. Sometimes, do you hear me? This is a test of the American broadcast system. Are you going to be an immature child or are you growing up? You know what a mature person says? Praise God, now God's gonna have to provide for me with less. Praise God, now I'm gonna have to meet my pledge with greater faith. That's what a mature person says. Praise God, I don't know how he's gonna do this, but maybe my momentary setback is setting me up for a promotion. That's how a mature person acts. But an immature person takes an offense and gets mad at God and wonder if God's given up his place as creator and leader of, this, of the universe. And uh, they put in their Christian card and they quit. How about this? When hopes are dashed, he loses heart. When adversity overtakes him, he's swallowed up in self-pity. In domestic or in family difficulties, he indulges in tantrums or sulks and creates an atmosphere that mars home unity. Let me, let me just share from personal experience. Been there, done that. Pastor, I thought you and Marion had a perfect marriage. No, we have a growing marriage. It means I'm an idiot at a lower, or at a higher level, no, at a lower level. Now my, <laughs> yeah, I was an idiot at this level early in marriage and it's, it's decreasing with each passing year. You guys know what I'm talking about. My wife does something. She didn't make me happy. She didn't give me what I want. She didn't do it my way. She, she dashed my expectations. So how am I going to respond? I'm not going to talk to her. I'm just going to mope. Everything okay? Yeah. By the way, that's how your two-year-old acts. Give her the cold shoulder. Roll over in bed and face the opposite direction. Anybody, anybody feeling the anointing of the Holy Spirit this morning? But listen, spiritually mature people don't act that way. They actually talk. They communicate. They learn how to share their heart. They learn how to minister to each other's needs. They learn how to die to themselves. But immature people, see, this is why I'm trying to help you all out. When we put two spiritually immature people together in a marriage, they'll, they'll kill each other. They're both pooping their diapers. They're, they're, they got food everywhere, all their faces, and, and uh, they're, Aah! I mean, it's a mess. It's a mess. It's an absolute mess. When this person's will, the spiritually immature, is thwarted by God or man. In other words, I had this plan. It was a great plan. 
I ask God about it, I think he's good. And I'm moving forward, and all of a sudden, my hopes are dashed. My plan gets sabotaged. And now I'm mad. I got a report I didn't like. I, I got written up. I got a medical report back that wasn't good. My wife didn't respond. This person, that church, the pastor. But what really is happening is somebody said no because it didn't go your way. But you're acting like the two-year-old again. And you're rebellious. I remember being, being I, was a, I was a security officer uh, when I was in college at, at Regent University, CBN Christian Broadcasting Network. And I'm standing there in my little polyester suit, my little walkie-talkie. They didn't give us guns. I don't know why they called us security officers, but I look good in my little polyester uniform, my little badge. And all of a sudden, this lady walks across the foyer, and her child is just throwing a fit. And the kid falls to the ground, starts flopping around on the ground like a fish out of water, screaming, making a total scene. And she walks up to me. I kid you not. She walks up to me and says, I can't wait till he grows out of this. I want to say, lady, this kid's going to get up and beat the tar out of you when he's 18 because you're letting him act like an idiot instead of picking him up. Going back to the bishop's days, pluck whack on the way in, into the bathroom, another whack on the bottom. We don't act that way. I'm a happy kid from that point on. And you know how long it took? One time. Because I know if that's me again, it's going to be a rerun. I didn't like the movie the first time. I'm definitely not going to like the movie the second time. I hope he grows out of it. Are you kidding? This is a selfish, self-absorbed, self-centered little pagan who needs an encounter with Jesus just to be halfway publicly agreeable and social. Can I just remind you guys something? Spiritual growth is not accidental, and it's not natural. I got this dear lady. She's a... She's one of the parents of, on Johnny's uh, basketball team. And she's always interested in where I'm going in the nations and stuff like that. And I tell her, and I always share the cool things God's doing. And then she will look at me like a good humanist. And she says this, you know, what I'm hearing you say is there's good people all over the world. Now, that's not the moment at a basketball game in passing to go into a theological treatise on sin and fallen nature. But can I just do it right now because I will feel better. There are no good people in the whole world. Only selfish sinners who need a savior. There aren't good people anywhere. Watch the news. Go to work. Go to the grocery store for God's sake. How about this? Just pull out on the inappropriate time at a four-way stop and tell me if people are good. They're not good. They will kill you and wave their middle finger at you for doing that. People are just good. No, 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 no. By nature, we're like stones. Like if you grab one of our beautiful living stones around our building, nice big stone, and you go to Lake Michigan and you drop the stone in the water, what does the stone do? By nature, It sinks to the lowest place, and it stays there. Let me help you out. What are you going to do this year if you don't hear this message this morning and act on it? You're going to sink to the lowest place and stay there because that's what you do by nature. 
You know when the little guy's going, bite, 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 bite? That's because our nature is me, 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 me. Feed me, I want it now. It's just cute when it's two. It's not when it's 22 or 42 or 72. By nature, you will do nothing but go backwards. We need a new nature, and we need a plan, and we need a vision, and we need a vision to grow up. You know, wouldn't it be great if we took our Bibles this year? We don't need a Bible reading plan. We don't need to get up early and lose sleep. We just took our Bibles, Greg. We put it under a pillow, and we slept on it. (laughs) Hallelujah. I'm in the Word, you know. (laughs) And you're hoping that somehow the content of that book will, by osmosis, into your brain, and it'll change your life. Can I just help you? It's not. I've heard of people, they say, well, I, I sleep to the Bible on cassette at night. Well, that's better than sleeping to country music or the fan or whatever. I mean, I don't know. But I don't know that subconsciously you're going to be full of the word because somebody's reading the Bible while you're sleeping. I mean, you know, this takes work. It's like you don't buy a fat pill that's going to, you take the pill, your fat goes away. It doesn't work that way. Eat this fat pill. Mm. Why, on your way to the Dairy Queen, you're going to eat the fat pill. You know, come on, give me a break. You know, people join health clubs at the beginning of the year. Praise God for motivation. But here's the problem. You go one time, and I'm telling you what's going to happen after one time. Your body hurts. You're like, oh, you're feeling muscles you didn't feel ever before. You're not going to get a muscle if you don't ever hurt. In fact, listen to me. There is a, there is a sweet pain that comes in working out because it's the pain of having exercised something and pressed into something that caused growth. And you don't ever rejoice on day one. You never rejoice on day one of a new diet. But when your pants are fitting and when you're feeling healthy again and the pain's out of your joints and everything else, you're going, hallelujah, bring me another carrot. You know, come on. I mean, you're saying things, you're saying things you never would say normally. But it's all work, every single bit of it. Nothing comes natural and nothing in the kingdom of God is uh, accidental. Let me end with this. And this is probably the most important. Spiritual growth is not optional. This is what I find in the church. We treat spiritual maturity like an elective in school. Like if you want to be in the honors program, grow up. But if you just want to be a spiritually immature believer and show up whenever you want, do whatever you want, take pay no attention to your condition of your heart or your health, then just show up every now and then. Do you know what? That's not an option. And I want to show you why. And, I, and I, here, here's my purpose in doing We're having a little fun this morning, I hope. Um, I'm trying to keep it lighthearted. But this is dead serious. I mean, can anybody think why my spiritual maturity and your spiritual maturity matters? Not, I mean, there's people in this room that if things don't change in your life, your marriage, your family this year, your home's blowing up. I mean, your kids, your kids are hanging in a balance. I mean, there, there, there's, there's your neighbor at work is hang, hanging in a balance because they're actually looking for somebody that looks like Jesus. How about, hey, we got to celebrate recovery. Does anybody want to see people get radically transformed, for instance, in all the various ministries that are going on here? How many of you know the, the water level of the ministry can only rise to the level of the leader? And that especially is true for moi. So how many of you know, I don't want to be anybody's stumbling block or lid in this place. I want to grow, 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 grow. You all with me? Look at what it says here. 
2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. Paul says, in view of all of this, what's the all of this? Well, he just got done saying we've been given everything we need for life and godliness and that we've been given incredible promises from God that if we take a hold of these promises, we grow in Christ-likeness and we escape all the corruption that's in the world that's rooted in lust. That's what he said previously. Look at what he's saying now. In view of all this, read this with me out loud. Make every effort to... Say that again. Make every effort to... Respond is a key word. Your works do not save you. We all know that. Everybody here is saved by the mercy and grace of God. Can you say amen by that? God chose you. God found you. God loved you. God pulled you out of the mire. God transformed your life. Uh, God had mercy on you. Hallelujah. But look what happens next. This is where we get it wrong. There are a lot of churches that will never challenge you, a lot of churches that will never cause conviction in your life, a lot of churches that never challenge you with personal holiness or consecration. They'll just tell you how wonderful you are and how good God is. And I'll tell you, it raises spiritual brats. It's why America is weak today. We're weak. We're very weak. I, I am very concerned for our country because at the core of our character, I think we are weak. We're weak because of our prosperity, and we're weak because we don't make sacrifices, and we're weak because we've lost the heart of our character, which was rooted in Jesus. And this message is important, I think, for a myriad of reasons, all right? We have got to get back to pursuit and responding to the grace of God, responding to the promises of God. When he says, make every effort, why is it that we understand that in the marketplace, if you want to be successful, you show up early, you come prepared, you work hard, you stay late, you're constantly growing, you're constantly adding skills. Am I right? You go off for training. Can I put it in the, in, in the modern message Bible version? You work your fanny off. And guess what happens? You mystically succeed. Why is it that we think when it comes to spiritual maturity and success, we don't have to do anything? In fact, it's just the opposite in church. I remember the first person I had to fire was at, not at this church, it was at a different church I was at, and this guy was in charge of the building and grounds. The problem was he seldom showed up, and he did a horrible job. So finally, we pulled him in and said, you know what, we need to let you go. This was his response, and it is so typical of spiritual brat Christians. This was his response. This is a church. You're, you're supposed to love people. Jesus, Jesus wouldn't fire me. And, I, and this is what I said to him. No, let me help you out. This is a church. And we work at a higher standard. And we work harder. And we work with greater excellence. And Jesus wouldn't tolerate this kind of behavior at all. In fact, in the Bible, Jesus took a talent from somebody that buried it and said, thank you. And he gave it to the one that had the most. Sometimes we really pervert the scriptures. Jesus isn't saying, I died on the cross for you so you can sit back in your spiritual leisure chair, never grow up, never shoulder responsibility, blame everybody else, sit around, pout, mope, do nothing, wallow in your sin, come to church every now and then and complain that the preacher preaches too long and all they care about is money. That's not what Jesus said to do. Jesus said, make every effort to respond to the gospel. Make every effort I mean, you know, that's, that is intense engagement, and he expects it from everybody that's his. I'm not talking about works. 
I'm talking about pursuit. I'm talking about making sure, when Paul said, press in to possess that for which Christ possessed you, what he's saying is, when Jesus Christ pulled you out of hell, he did it on purpose, he did it at great sacrifice to himself, and now he expects us to turn with the same intensity and follow Jesus. Is this making sense to anybody? 2 Peter 1, look with me on the screen. Dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove, that's an interesting phrase, work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. Do these things and you will never fall away. Can anybody see why this is really important? There are people that fall away all the time. You know, I come over here to Terry and Terry's like, I'm leaving this church, Pastor, because you don't care about me. And, and you know what? The sparrows behind it, they don't care about you either. Uh, they didn't say hi to you, or they didn't respond to your needs, or they didn't bake a cake, or I don't know what they didn't do, but they, they, let, they let you down. So Terry goes, I'm, I'm leaving. She walks over to Ed's church. Ed, and it isn't long as the same thing. I'm leaving this church, because you know these people here, they're not very nice, and blah, 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 blah. And does anybody, this is like what happens at preschool. I'm taking my ball and leaving. You're mean. I'm going to be friends with these people. Oh, you're mean too. I mean, some some people church hop. What kind of people are you going to think you're going to find in the world? Let me tell you, broken people that are in the process of not being babies and moving into Christ's likeness. That's the only people that exist on this whole planet. We need to get rid of some of our stupid, sacred cows and think that the grass is always greener somewhere. It's not. Maybe God's put you where he's put you to change you. Maybe the problem isn't all these idiots. Maybe I are one. <laughs> Notice I gave that example for me, not for you. I don't want anybody to be offended and leave and take your ball and go. You know, this church just won't let me ever sing a solo. Don't they know how gifted I am? Don't they know the gift of God? I'm taking my ball and going to the church down the street. Maybe they'll appreciate how gifted I am. Grow up! Here's your pacifier on the way out the door. My goodness, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Because babies, it's all about them. Meet my need. Give me a place. Let me be the star. That's what babies do. That's not what spiritual adults do. I tell you, you know what spiritual adults do? You'll find them in the bathroom after the busy week, cleaning toilets or picking up paper. They're out in the parking lot. Sir, they're, they're in the kitchen. You know, they're, they're washing pots when everybody else just got prophesied over. Those are grown-ups. This will preach right here. I don't know. This will preach. This will preach, I'm telling you. And it preaches the pastors, I'll tell you that. Work hard to prove. What are you proving? I don't have anything to prove, Pastor. Salvation is by grace. Yes, it is. Now show me that you've received the grace of God. Show me you've received the grace of God. Well, what do you mean? It means you're going to grow up emotionally. It means you're not going to be on fire for God this week, and you have a disappointment, and next week you're a Buddhist. What are you talking about? It means you're not going to leave your life group because somebody said something that you didn't agree with. Well, guess what? People say things. You know, I've had people that left the church. I said, well, was it something I said? No. Listen, there's 500 people here. What are the odds of somebody that's going to someday say something that seems insensitive to you? I'm saying it's a strong odds. If I'm a gambler, it's a strong odds. So here's what God wants us to do. Grow up. 
I'm just not gonna work at work anymore because they don't appreciate me. You're gonna be unemployed the rest of your life. What is your problem? You don't act that way at work. Why do you act that way in church? We're like that little kid flopping around on the floor. And thank God, there, and I'm preaching, to a, I'm preaching to a church, by the way, because you've heard this. I leaned over to my mom and I said, I'm sorry I heard echoes of my father this morning in this message. But I'm not sorry because you know what? My dad was a, was a spiritual man, and he, and he challenged us when we needed to to stop sucking our thumb, to suck it up, to stand in faith. Yes, we're going to go through hard times, but we don't need to whine and bellyache about it. Stand in faith. Get some people around you. Pray. Yes, it's okay to cry. Yes, it's okay to be sorrowful. Yes, it's okay to struggle. But you know what? We don't stay down forever. We get back up. We keep moving forward. We help other people get out of their ditch. In fact, I'll just say this. One of the signs of spiritual maturity is uh, the ability to receive responsibility. Why is it that we challenge every one of you, and I'm going to do it right now, every one of you, find a place around here and serve. Every, find a place to serve. Why do we say that? Because it's the pathway to maturity. Because people that are serving aren't thinking about themselves, and people that are serving are owning something, and people that are serving are part of the solution, not part of the problem. That's what service does. Now let me tell you something else. When it's your time to serve, show up. You know why? Because that's what big people do. Don't call Andrew two hours before you're supposed to be greeting at the door and say, you know what, I'm not going to be able to make it this morning. As long as you're not throwing up or with 104 fever, make it. You know why you make it? Because it's about character. My dad preached probably less than a week after double hip replacement. I thought his legs were going to go out like G.I. Joe, you know? (laughs) He didn't stand up but he sat on a stool. Some of you don't know, but there were times when my dad got hit with a fever on Sunday morning, had 104 fever. Now, I don't recommend this necessarily, but when you get hit with a fever on Sunday morning, you don't always have time to say, hey, Brent, you want to get up and preach? Or Amory, you got something ready to go? But you know what he'd do? He'd get up on the stage, and you know what happened when he got on the stage? The fever lifted. And you know what he did? He's at his post doing what he's supposed to do, because that's what grown-ups do. That's what grown-ups do. How many of you men, I'm I'm pointing you on the spot, how many of you men in this place got up, and you went off to work, and you felt terrible? Men and women, but heads of households, heads of households. And you know know why you did that? Because you didn't have the luxury to stay home and have chicken noodle soup have somebody give you a foot massage and watch reruns on television. You you couldn't do that because you know what? There's bills to pay and life goes on and sometimes you just have to suck it up. Why is it seldom seen in the church that kind of spirit? Why do we think in church everything comes by grace? All we got to do is receive. Paul says over and over again, work hard. Press in. Go after God. Invest. Sacrifice. In fact, none of those things ultimately are sacrifices. They all lead to our blessing and our maturity. So I'm just encouraging us today. We're going to get into some practical things in the next three weeks that I think will really be helpful. But the spirit behind this is, man, every one of us should say, God, give me more. Help me serve more. Help me love more. Help me be more patient. Help me have more character. Help, help me shoulder more responsibility. Lord, I, I want to I get our marriage healed so that someday I can help somebody else's marriage get healed. Lord, I, I want my kids to be amazing. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make sure I'm investing in my children. You know, this year for me, I, one of the things I have not done well, and I'll shut up after this, 
this. This is my fourth closing. I think I, you know, yeah, something like that. Anyway, but um, we need to have more hard savings because I know the Bible teaches about having savings, like for a rainy day, right? Uh, and raising eight kids and everything we've had to deal with, I've, I've conveniently made excuses over the years that, you know what, we're just going to trust God, and you know what, he's always provided. But I opened up a hard savings account, not a pretend savings account, but a hard savings account, because that's an area I know I'm weak in, and I need to do a better job of managing the Lord's resources. A little personal self confession What are you going to grow in? And here's the bigger question, what's your plan? How are you going to grow? What's your plan? Where's your weak areas? What do you need to do to ask the Lord to grow you in that area? I've given you a couple of things to do that's going to stretch all of you. Be part of a life group and serve. I think I gave you another one. Be faithful financially. I'm going to give you another one. Show up at church. Why? Because I'm counting heads? No, because you need to honor God and give him the first of your week. There's four things right there that should challenge all of you. That every one of you should say, yeah, I'm grabbing onto that. How about this? Anybody got a Bible reading plan? You're going to read through the Bible this year. That's a fifth thing right there. That's, that is great to do. How about establishing a time to be alone with God every day before you go off to work? There's number six right there. I mean, if, if we just went on here a little longer, I could, I could give you guys a pretty good to-do. You'd be working hard this week. And let me just tell you this. We should be working hard every week. Not in our own flesh, not to please people, but listen, in the strength that God provides. Amen? We should be the most energetic, excellent, productive, fruitful, growing up crowd ever. Last thing, fifth closing. I had, five's, the, five's the number of grace, all right? I had, I had a couple right here, two men that had an issue this week. An older man and a younger man. The younger man dealt with rejection, abandonment, never had a father. So he had a hard time receiving from anybody. But this senior man and him, they had a coming together. They said, you know what, we forgave each other. And, they said that, and he said, not only do we forgive each other, but we reconciled. So here's, that, that's what grown-ups do. Grown-ups say, oh, Kenny and I, I, I offended you. Please forgive me. Help me understand what happened. You know what? My, I don't want to offend you. You're my brother. Are we good? We're good. Let's pray. Yes. And then you know what? In fact, let's go out and get a bite to eat. Um, because it's not just about... I know people that they sit over there and the other folks sit over there because they don't want to even see that person's face at, during Sunday morning worship. Now, how many of you know, how do you come to church like that? I'd be afraid the ceiling would open up and lightning would consume me. Fire of God, I'm, I'm, there I am, a pile of dust. Are you kidding me? This is serious stuff. People say, well, what service do they go? I'm not going to, I'm not going to the early service because they go to the early. I'm going to go to the second. How about you reconcile? I just spit on you, sorry. How about you reconcile? I forgive you. You forgive me? Yeah. All right, we're good? Yeah, we're good. All right, you can, you can spit on me and I'll forgive you too. All right, yeah, let's go have one. I said just wait till your next they, You know what mature people do? They reconcile. They reconcile. Yeah. So nobody should ever leave a healthy church with an offense unless you're too spiritually immature to handle it. I'm offended that you said that. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Just gotcha. All right, stand to your feet. Come on. Hey, it's medicine for all of us. Let's, let's drink up. Father, I thank you for an amazing church family. Lord, I thank you for the love and unity that's here. 
But Lord, it's not just about getting together and having a good time. We want to impact a broken and hurting world. And God, you need adults to do that, spiritual adults. So help us grow up. Help us, help us to be like Jesus. Help us to press it. Help us to work hard on godliness and on things that are eternal, not just on things that are natural or things that are temporal, but things that are going to last forever. Father, we just give you ourselves. Here's the first Sunday of this new year. We give you ourselves. I just pray, Lord, that this would be a year of supernatural growth for all of us. Break us out of our lids, our our comfort zones, our limitations, Lord. Help us do new things this year. Help us experience you in new and fresh ways, God. And Lord, as always, we just prophesy that living stones in this place, this family, will be a greenhouse for spiritual growth. Lord, that baby Christians can be matured and loved and brought to life and brought to maturity in this place. And Lord, we just thank you for the privilege of doing that. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.